0: We are back, baby. We are back. We are back. You are looking live. We get after it, you know. We jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get fucking like a monkey. And here we go. Hello, and welcome to the moose and Rooney's podcast. This episode 182 of the pod, alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Muso. Wishing you a happy Thanksgiving. Whether you're celebrating this holiday with family. Uh, In your smaller sub pods as directed by local governments, uh, however, you're doing it. We hope you are celebrating with Moose and Runes, and we appreciate you for doing so. Uh, Matt, I ask you it every week, but I ask you it with a warm heart this week. How the hell are you, Pat?
1: I'm I'm doing well. And I I want, before we get into the the heart of today's pod, I I spent today doing a little Thanksgiving prep, and we are getting together with just the immediate family. We got. uh, my, my my brother which and in law which is like
0: seventy-three Runnies. Okay, correct?
1: no, there's there's three brothers <laughs> and sisters, a niece, a, a sister-in-law, and a girlfriend. Right, very not nice. that many. let
0: uh, they, they just sneak oh, that desire. that Oh, should,
1: that shouldn't be that big of a shock at this. Yeah, point, not sure. a shock,
0: but first holiday, correct? First
1: holiday, yeah. But they, I mean, oh. she, the first time she met the family was up at the lake house, and that was a. That so was, we're yeah, there's we're, been a they're full very very familiar. There's, yeah, she's been, been a, here a full couple initiation. Times. Her and my mom get along terrifyingly well, so lovely. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, our, our assignment or our, our volunteer was we were going to bring the, a, a couple pies for dessert. So Love she, it. she went to Baker Square this morning, picked up a pumpkin pie and a pecan pie. I decided I was going to try my hand at making one. Lovely. I made this. I made this like chocolate peanut butter like mousse now, kind of pie bot no, bot crust. No so Joe, you should have. So I'm up at the, I'm up at our, our cottage. I was just kind of. In, I be- in between re- week, I kind of go back and forth back. up. I was going to, I'm going to get there. Let me explain here. I, I, I came up to the cottage for the week, the, just a couple of days, just because a little more room. We'll, we'll space out when the, the apartment mm-hmm. gets a little cramped with me and Mike sometimes. Of course. And I, I, I looked at the recipe, called for 25 Oreos for a nice little Oreo crust, which of course I got double stuffed. Um. I went That's to go throw kinda, off your crust. No, well, no, you well, you don't put the filling in the crust, Joe. You just, oh, okay. you just do the, just cookie the cookie base. I, I'm not going to lie. I did not throw out all of the cream fillings.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was not all wasted. But, so, uh, yeah, yeah to, They say you got to grind it up real fine. Uh, and I was, uh-huh. was looking around all the cabinets here. We don't have a magic bullet or a blender. Okay. So I was plastic in a little bit bag. of a I got, a, got a plastic bag, got a frying pan, and I went to work on that thing. I was smacking the hell out of that plastic bag with a frying pan for a while got it down nice fine put some butter in there it you kind of stir it up it, it binds together pop it in the freezer boom you're done and you're i'm be on
0: the great uh the great british baking show in no time it's, it's
1: gonna taste very good but like i'm still not good at i'm not at the like i can't make it look great yet you know yes, I, I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm going for taste a large
0: part a large part of the bringing a homemade good or a dish yeah. that you made especially a scratch made dish oh, yeah your 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 effort is just as much uh, the sweet treat as the sweet treat. That's nice. I think of that's you a. Say. I think that's a very uh, it's a, a very heavy noble pie, thing It's, do it's here. it weighs it weighs quite a bit. It it's only right that uh, on the eve of Thanksgiving we do begin the uh, podcast here with some pie talk. I'm sure we'll, I mean, it's, we'll it's come the, full circle. The ultimate I mean. pie holiday. It, it is and. Uh, Thankfully, Shelby from uh, one of her tenants uh, at, at the building that that she manages, mm-hmm. um, right down the street from us here, brought her and and everyone there, uh, all the managers, pie. Ooh, um, different pies. We uh, there were there was a blueberry. There was an apple. Okay. There was uh, a bunch of pumpkin. Did Shelby
1: get given a pie, like a specific it one, pecan. or is like here no, six pie
0: Shelby. Pie. I received the text message, I believe this was on Tuesday, no, last, so this was early, late last week, so either Friday or Saturday. I received the text message of a selfie of her mm. with four pies stacked Ooh. up. She was holding all, she had been given all the pies. Okay, for so everyone. she got first choice. So she, she had first went. choice, but her being the kind-hearted person that she is, she brings it into the office. She says, hey, there's all these pies. Um, she requested, because she knows your boy doesn't like the mushy pies, she mm-hmm. said, if someone could save me half of the apple pie to bring home, I'll bring home half of an apple pie and half of a pumpkin pie. She was going to eat the pumpkin. I was going to eat the apple. Okay. Very thoughtful of her. Yes. Somebody full swipes the apple. You can't do that. Somebody full That's swipes not the, the holiday apple. holiday spirit. So she comes home with a pumpkin pie, and it, I love the flavor. It's the mush texture I that you. I just can't do. So what I did... Is I kind of game the system here, and I ate half of the crust, like just like the sh- the crust that showed, so with no goop. On I get it if you get yeah so if I, you
1: get like the crust that kind of overlaps a there a little lovely, bite, like the you get a little filling, a little crust so it gets that crunch.
0: Lovely nice. buttery crust. Mm. So I used it almost as a dip. I, I took pieces of crust and then I dip just it. mushed. Oh, up I like that. That's yeah. Getting, so just for a little taste of pumpkin, but not the big goop that now I got. Did I hear you say I'm, pecan I'm pie still. too? Um, yes, actually. We had uh, some friends of ours that live in the building that made us. This was a different person. The other guy, like, it was from his business. It was okay. like a pie shop. And this or is just a, a This a was nice, a, friend. a friendly neighbor mini pecan pies, Ooh. like little cup-sized how pecan pies. How do you feel pies, about a pecan pie? Because world.
1: you have the, like, obviously the pecans on top are crispy, but you do have a little bit of a, you know, mush in the middle.
0: I'm often averse to pecan pie for that reason. It's okay. goopy, mushy, but these little cups, the ratio's different. Okay. So it's like a lot more crust to your filling. I like them. I like them a lot. If I was yep. going to have pecan pie, I, that's how I'm having it. from I pecan.
1: was never really introduced to pecan pie until uh, my lovely sister-in-law, Joy, who is a Texan, was brought into the family, and then since mm-hmm. then, it's, it's Become a staple in Thanksgiving dinners. Now and now, that, I love is that it. That
0: pecan when, pie or is that pecan pie?
1: I, I think for, she'll probably say pecan pie. I'll say pecan <laughs> pie. But I was texting my brother. Uh, you know what pie? Any any special requests on the pies? And my sister in law is about seven and a half months pregnant now. I don't know the week total. That's what they always say. I know it's about seven and a half months. Yeah, Tim, said, uh, by weeks. <laughs> Tim said, unless you want a pregnant lady very upset when you with you when you show up here, you, you should probably bring a pecan pie. So, did that. We're going to have some pecan <laughs> pies, some, some pumpkin pie, some chocolate peanut butter pie. It's going to be a grand old time. Nice. So put on like 17
0: pounds. It's hey. fine. We hit it hard on the back end, uh, and then we roll right into Christmas. That's it. You just got to be—you have to be productive with the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas. We enjoy the holidays, but uh, try and find a little balance in the interim here as we celebrate, hopefully with our loved ones and our family. Matt, we have a lot of things to celebrate in the sporting world this weekend. Uh, College basketball is back. Don't look now; Um, games have already been postponed, canceled, things of that sort. So uh, it's going to be a roller coaster season. Don't. Don't get your hopes too high. Uh, NBA free agency rolls on. Some big news uh, in that realm as well. But we just want to, you know, today take this opportunity. It's not going to be a full-fledged pod. There's not going to be any buy or sell. We just want to bring up some topics here, things we're thankful of in sports. Oftentimes we – because of our teams and because of the current status of Chicago sports, we, we tend to get a little negative here. So we're going to try and keep it positive today. Things we're thankful for. We will preview a little bit of Bears-Packers. Uh, we, we will talk some other things. But, uh, Matt, first and foremost, uh, as I always ask you how you're doing, what are you thankful for here?
1: I've, I've been going around. I've been trying to come up with something for each of the teams here. I, I, pause. Some, some of me pause. Are, pause. The, there will be locks as well. There will be locks. Go of course on. there's going to be locks. at um, first I thought you were telling me to pause the podcast. I was like, no, no, go no, do no, no. No, um, no, no. I, I think I I think still the team that we have the most to be thankful for, despite the whole manager Snafu and whatever you want to call it, is the Chicago White Sox. And I was trying to I was trying to think of what about them I'm most thankful for. And you could say that they have a side, two side young candidates from last year uh, at the front end of the rotation, which is true. They 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 have the AL MVP and Jose Abreu. What I'm kind of thankful for is they have a guy. In Tim Anderson, who is homegrown, that has actually put them on the map nationally. Mm-hmm. and I, I think having that star like obviously Jose Bre is great. He is a star. He's the AL MVP. He's still under the radar. People probably forgot already around the league that he is the AL MVP. He's never going to be that outspoken, you know, face the franchise guy, partly because mm-hmm. he doesn't speak English, part, partly because he kind of keeps to himself. The White Sox have this homegrown, very likable guy in Tim Anderson, who is just, he's really good. He backs it up, plays well on the field, and he... You know, is a great face of the franchise type player, and I think that's something the Sox have kind of been lacking since really Frank Thomas. Um, so I, I'm I'm thankful not only for Tim Anderson for how good he is on the field, but what he does off the field for his community, for what he does as a face of the franchise, and putting the White Sox kind of nationally
0: on the map. Not that I want to push back on that. <clears throat> Whatsoever. Uh, We're not going negative here. I said it. Um, But in terms of what you want to be thankful for, uh, give the flowers to Paul Canerico right now. He was the face of the franchise and a heck of a one at that.
1: I love Paul Canerico. That's not a knockout, but Paul Canerico is very Jose Abreu-esque, like kind of going about his business uh, really good, but like just kind of –
0: on the scale of big hurt to Jose Abreu, is he on the Jose Abreu side of that gamut? Yes, but I don't think he's all the way. I think he's somewhere. like people somewhere in the middle. That's He's somewhere in the middle. Paul Canerco had his moments in the mm-hmm. game where he got national notoriety. No, he was never the face of the game uh, the way Frank Thomas was for some time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I agree with your point uh, wholeheartedly. I'm very thankful for TA and for that for that Sox roster to go Cubs side of things here just to kind of offer uh, the foil sometimes we get a little Sox heavy due to our fandom here but I think now's an important time for Cubs fans to be thankful for what they had and I mm-hmm. say that not that it's over not that they're not going to be a talented baseball team not that the windows completely closed but you know Theo moves on it's Jed's vision now the the group is going to change. The core could even change. But I think when you're in it, even up to last year and the years prior, when you're in it, you can't necessarily enjoy it. Not, not in, You enjoy it, but you can't necessarily be thankful for it because you're in it. You're, you're sweating out a game every single day. You're, you're grinding the standings. You're thinking about the playoff matchups and where you want your team to be. Now that they're a little bit removed from that sort of expectation or at least that galvanized mm-hmm. group that was the World Series group, I think you can look back on it and actually be thankful for the World Series that you won and for the, even for the journey that it took to get there and the journey down from that mountain, It's a great time to be a Cubs fan. I'm not saying there aren't more great times on the way, but oftentimes when you're in that era, you can't reflect upon it pop, pop, properly, pardon me. I think that they could be thankful for that reflection on some really good years of Cubs baseball.
1: You know, I, I could, I agree with you. I was, and when they, when Theo resigned, what was that le, early last week? I was mm-hmm. listening to, uh, I think it was the, the Barstool Chicago, had, their radio show was kind of recapping it, and I, I think it was Carl was talking about how, like, you know, the most fun you've, they, that Cubs group has had, that Cubs fan group has had was probably that 2015 the year, year where they, to, where they yeah. came out of nowhere really good, really fun, and there was no pressure. And what you were talking about is such a good point, because not not that the Dynasty years aren't fun, I'm, I'm talking about this, the Blackhawks are incredibly similar to those too. Those Dynasty years are a lot of fun. But there's so much more stress when there is that expectation as a fan where, like, you know, you lose three out of four and you're like, oh, man, the sky's falling. Whereas, like, you know, you're on the rise, it's it's 2015 for the Cubs or 2008-9 for the Hawks. You're like, okay, whatever, we can bounce back. There's a, It's a lot more fun when you don't really have that stress attached to it. And it, it, it makes it that much more difficult to appreciate what you have while you're in it. And now as a Cubs fan, as a, as a Blackhawks fan, you're looking back on it, it's like, man, I would... I I miss that. If I if I got the chance to go back, I wouldn't be as stressed out. I'd take it for a yep. break, you know I I'd appreciate it for what it was rather than more worried about getting more, just like, you know, you win that one, this is awesome. Now let's let us let us kind of take it take a second to breathe, accept this, love this, instead of having to, you know, just immediately what's the next step?
0: Well, in that same breath, Matt what would you consider yourself thankful for with the the Blackhawks right now? Because, you know, I always defer to you when it comes to our Hawks fandom. Like, what do we have to be excited about? What should we be optimistic and thankful for?
1: Uh, I mean, well, <clears throat> I think uh, I, I'm going back. Like, do I talk about the kind of the core guys? Do I talk about some of the young pieces? And and there are reasons to be thankful about all of them. I, I, they're, I know they're up against the cap. They do have a nice, nice, decent young core still going. I think what I'm most thankful for is, through all this as bad as the, as big as the roller coaster has been at times for the Blackhawks, Patrick Kane is yeah. still seemingly getting better. And I, I'm not sure they're going to win another Stanley Cup with, with 1988 and two all in the lineup. I, in fact, I would bet against it. Um, but the fact that, you know, he's 31, he's 32, and there's not, not only is there not a drop-off, I mean, he's, Almost getting better, if not, if not, yeah. I don't, I don't want to call it plateauing because I doesn't, I don't think that does. He's maintaining how high he is. He's, he's maintaining,
0: maintaining a hall of fame level of play, and,
1: and you know, across the board with what he's done in the past, what he's doing now, what he will do in the future, and I, I still think, kind of, no matter what goes down, he probably finishes his, his career at Blackhawk and might put on another uniform at some point. But I think for the most part, if not all of it, he's going to be here. We're watching. In his, pro- from beginning to end, prime, all that, the greatest career of a Chicago Blackhawk. You know, the greatest career, he will go down as the best Blackhawk of all time. And the greatest career of an original six franchise, the, the fact that we can kind of say was was through our, you know, I guess prime years for watching sports, our, our best years, yeah. our formative years to now, you know, being, uh, you know, in our, in our adulthood. Um, being able to see that was awesome. Uh, and not that I'm not thankful for Jonathan Taves and, and Kirby Dock and, and Duncan Keyes, probably my favorite hockey player of all time, but the fact that we got to see this greatest Blackhawk ever in his prime is is pretty darn cool.
0: Yeah, no no doubt that it's something to be thankful for. And I think that we speak about the Cubs' thanks as almost a past tense thing. This is, a, as you said, a current – uh, a current gift to be thankful for, uh, in the form of Patrick yeah. Kane and, and what he continues to do throughout these last few mm-hmm. years. When you know, being a Blackhawks fan from a couple thousand miles away and, and having to search for the games and having to you know stay in tune with what they're doing, eighty eight gives you a reason mm-hmm. to, to watch. Always gives every, you a reason every to night ahead. or see what happened in the game every single night. Um, and, and hey, no if, you're, about if
1: you're a Cubs fan too on the other side of the coin, because that, that's we brought up when I get back to it. I think uh-huh. you got to be thankful for what Theo Epstein kind of did while he did it, because he very easily could have said, you know what? No, I got one year left on my deal. I'm going to make that, you know, what was it, ten million or whatever it was, fifteen million, kind of pack it in, do whatever, and then just kind of leave. He's he's giving Jed a chance to actually run the show, make the decisions that are important, and actually, and I think more importantly. He's giving the Ricketts family fifteen more million dollars for Jed to kind of allocate towards a budget, so you might be able to keep on to one thoughtful. more guy, or might be able to, you know, <laughs> sign one more guy to an extension that you weren't going to be able to if that fifteen wasn't on, or was already on the books. So I think the way the Cubs are going about this, the way Theo handled it, and the way you're turning it over to a very, very capable president of Baseball Ops, General Manager, and Jed, I think there's some reason to be optimistic going forward.
0: Uh, there no doubt is, and uh, you make some great points there with what he did when he did. Um, <clears throat> I think if we're staying in the the vein of decision-makers and team leaders, that's what I'm most thankful for about the Chicago Bulls right now. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm excited about a young Kobe White in the backcourt. Um, I'm excited to see what this this draft pick in uh, Patrick Williams can do. I'm excited to see if Laurie can take a step forward this year. But what I'm most thankful for is that the person overseeing it all is no longer someone I can't trust. Yep. Um, and not that I had any sort of personal relationship with Gar, Gar Foreman or John Paxson. By all estimations, John Paxson's a great guy. Um, Gar Foreman, I don't, you don't hear, I guess, as many positive anecdotes. Fun facts: fact, Jeff Barris, one
1: one year was summer job was was helped install pools. He installed Gar Foreman's pool one year while we were in college over the summer.
0: Was he offered a cold beverage? Like, no, was, he said was he, he
1: said Gar was usually just out on the out on the porch around five thirty a.m. drinking coffee. Nice, <laughs> nice drinking coffee, not fielding calls. About drinking service. coffee, trading random people, signing, and
0: that's what I'm thankful <laughs> for is that uh, I can at least. I, we're at least in the honeymoon phase where, perfect example, when they mm-hmm. draft this kid out of Florida State, I enjoyed giving my whole trust to someone's decision-making because there hasn't been a precedent set yet. Is that, is that rooted in some sort of, I don't know, is that safe? Am, am I setting myself up for disappointment there is an opportunity for that. There is a chance for that, but I won't sit here and pretend like I know something about a guy more than Arturish Kondashildis does, whose job it is to assess the talent. I am thankful that we are in a phase of Bulls basketball where I can trust mm-hmm. and put my faith in those making the decisions because that had been worn away. For so long, so having that back is what I'm thankful for with the Bulls.
1: I, I, that, I that was kind of where I was going at too. Whether it's it was whether was Billy Donovan, they have guys on the on, you know, coaching the team uh, up up in the front office that you know you can trust. I'm going to go somewhat similarly there, but I, I'm thankful for the pick of Patrick Williams. Not because I know what he is, not because I know what I you know think I know what he's going to be, but for the in, in the past few years when the Bulls been picking seventh and all that. It, the NBA draft is such a crapshoot. You never know who's going to kind of jump out of nowhere. What you know, freshman that didn't play all that much is going to be a star. What in in the past years in these situations, the Bulls have pretty much always gone with you know the four four year senior out of college that you know was pretty good that you remember that never really was projecting to be a good pro that might be a rotation guy. The Bulls, the top three in this draft were kind of set in stone. After that, it was anyone's game. Bulls actually took a chance on a guy that might not work out. But the ceiling is high, and, and everywhere you read, they, they say that they, you know this is a guy that you know has a very high ceiling. He can be a Jimmy Butler type if he really hits that. And the fact that the Bulls actually decided to go for it—that they had guys who were willing to see, felt comfortable enough to say we're going to roll the dice on a guy we think it could be really, really, really good—that's something the Bulls don't usually do. I mean, I, I know they took Kobe White as a freshman last year, but you look after Kobe White, there weren't many of those like you know. Four-year stalwarts that the Bulls could have picked. I, I love what they did with this pick, just because. It, similarly to the front office, it gives you kind of a reason for hope. If that makes for sense.
0: me, for me, it boils down to a good pick and a bad pick. Is if you're, is if you're picking up an option or signing a guy to an extension. Mm-hmm. Like, can you make it through this rookie contract and prove that you're going to be a part of this team moving forward? That that those making the decisions, those. Um, Molding the team in their image, see you as part of a winning formula, and I think Kobe was a pick in that vein, and I'm hoping that this kid as well. So, um, again, thankful, thankful, thankful for a reason to
1: watch Bulls basketball again. Because if they didn't no make these changes, like when I was at work last year with the you know the teams and the people running it for Bulls games, I didn't watch them. I, I kind of tuned in here and there to see what was going on, to see what you know graphics I had to make when, but I wasn't paying attention because it was an unwatchable product. Now I have reason to tune in.
0: And I think that you know I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but in the Eastern Conference and what we saw to the Bulls last season, and if they can have some sort of consistency this year, I think that I'm thankful that I could say the word playoffs yeah. next to the Chicago Bulls, um, and, and that's not and that's not an outlandish idea. So, uh, Matt, we're here, uh, we, we've we've reached a moment Yeah. we have to conjure something. Say something that I'm nice about the Bears, for, Joe. Say something nice about the Bears. Um, I'm thankful for defense, I got one. and I think we did this. I think this is literally. I think you could probably in-point-out-point the podcast from last year. Mm -hmm. And that's really all I've ever been thankful for with the Chicago Bears other than uh, moments and flashes of brilliance in the Jay Cutler era and and at other times. But um, I'm thankful that this defense makes us competitive. I'm thankful that this defense keeps us in games no matter how frustrating uh, this offense is and this team is and the play calling is and the leadership is. I'm thankful that that we're not getting embarrassed week after week Because of that defense. Uh, By middling teams because of this defense. They're keeping us respectable, and I use that word loosely. Um, They're keeping us from being the Jets. They're keeping us from being the Jaguars. They're keeping us from not having anything. Mm -hmm. This defense is all that we have, and I'm thankful for them.
1: I was going to say Cairo Santos, but the problem with that is— I love it. (laughs) But but the problem with that is is, he's had a great year, and I am thankful that he's had a great year, but— your kickers only like really matters that much if the team's good. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if he has a great year and the bears go seven and nine, like that's awesome. Kickers are very flex; Like they're so up and down they It's so ride the wave that next year, if the bears are back to being somewhat and he goes back, like kickers are so year to year that it's hard to be so thankful for him. I'm, I'm Obviously I'm thankful for what he's done, but it's kind of just more like a year to year thing. I think what I'm thankful for in the same vein as you defense, but I'm going to go with the guy running the defense and Chuck Pagano because I think we've talked about it. that defense is veteran and obviously gets themselves going, but you have to have a guy. That defense doesn't go if they don't believe in the guy calling the plays, if they don't believe in the guy they're kind of playing for. And to be able to kind of bring together that unit with how bad the offense is, the creativity he kind of has to find with the depth issues they've had, with the amount of time they're spending on the field, the different looks he has they're out there. I think as bad as, I, as much as I don't trust the leadership, the, the coaching staff, I, I do trust him, and I think his ability to get that defense to keep playing and not pack it in as long as he has, I think is a a testament. Not only the guys that he's coaching, but the guy running the show, because I I think he's kind of seamlessly filled in for a guy in Vic Fangio that they could have just kind of said, you know, he's not Vic. We don't want to play for him. They bought in, and and the defense really hasn't missed that much of a beat.
0: That is a great – I mean, everything you said there, the fact that the turnover was seamless, the fact that, you know, for me, just picturing – a a, a day-to-day at Hallis Hall, let's assume a normal day where people are allowed to meet in teams and allowed to see each other. It's not one of the virtual days or whatever. He's got to go into a room with the entire team and listen to Matt Nagy give his piece and do the team meeting, whatever they're going over in the team Mm -hmm. meeting, whatever notes, whatever stuff that they're being um, coached up on, that they're preparing for the next matchup from Matt Nagy's voice. Then they're going to split. They're going to go either into segments or they're going to go into offense-defense. The second they split, Chuck Pagano becomes the voice, mm-hmm. and that's the voice talking to the defense. So not only does he have to speak that um, confidence into them and, and make sure that they are playing regardless of what's happening on the other ball and, and maintaining their level of play through those types of things, but I'd argue that he even has to change a rhetoric. He has to he has to get ideas out of those guys' head before he can even put good ideas in. And I'm, I am going that bad on Matt Nagy that... I can't trust that the conversations that he's having with his team and the things that he's briefing them on and teaching them about are not things that Chuck Pagano feels, you know, what I'm saying is I doubt if they have the same philosophy about the game of football. So he has to impart his philosophy Mm -hmm. in a shorter amount of time with his group and make sure that it either jives with the team philosophy or at least overrides it um i I, I just think that i think that chuck pagano and what he's done as a coach and like it it all boils down to what you said in getting his guys to play uh series after series three and out after three and out um it's it's a very respectable thing
1: i think you talk about you talked about kind of division and that you you do have the big team meetings but then you do go offense defense and Obviously he does run that meeting room And you and I played football enough to know Like obviously you divide it up into little segments It's not like It's a little bit of a competition from sides of the ball Obviously you're one big team You root for each other But you know during the week You kind of want to outdo one another And I
0: I think 100% And I remember not to cut you off here No go ahead I remember hearing Coach Murray through the wall in the defensive yeah. room and hearing the buzz out of there and hearing the chatter and wanting to be better offensively because you wanted to match that. I don't know. Uh, I, if doubt, it's, I doubt they're sharing a wall at Hallis Hall. I, I don't um, know if it's because a, a re- of who, a retractable wall at that, but uh, <laughs> uh
1: that's great. I don't know if it's because because of who we played for or, you know, who I played for throughout my career, but I just I always kind of found that I was always an offensive guy. You were always an offensive guy. I liked my coaches. I was fine with them. Obviously, the quarterback and the the offensive coordinator, head coach, have a good relationship. But for the most part, it's kind of business-like. I always thought defensive guys rally behind their coach a little bit more, if that makes sense. It's kind of a tighter bond with their coach for some reason. And I think keeping that having that great bond with Vic Fangio, having that ripped away and being able to come in right away and have that respect because they did have that respect because of how well that defense started out playing last year. And it's, it's something to, it's something to consider if and when Matt Nagy's not running the show next year.
0: I think that comes from two things too, that kind of philosophy or that idea of defense rallying behind their coach more than offense does. One, And I've always said this, not to disrespect schematic and execution wise, what you have to do defensively, it's much easier than than running an offense. It's more intensity than it is scheme. So if you're in the offensive room and you're talking about, you're not talking about, you know, passion and flow and will to the football east west, Mm -hmm. you're talking about breaks and timing, you're talking about um, decision making on option routes, you're talking about reads for quarterbacks, you're talking about what the defense is doing defensively, it's a little bit more free-wielding, and I think that lends to that sort of tribal passion behind a coach. And also, I don't know how often it happens that a linebacker or the captain of a defense is getting a call in his helmet that he doesn't like. Maybe he's wanting to blitz, maybe he's wanting to do some things differently, but... Offensive players, time and time again, on a regular basis, get calls into the huddle that they don't yeah, like, like damn, yeah. from their head coach. It's
1: like, no, that's not going to work. Or yeah, Sean, I McVay, mean. Sean McVay. We're a screen we're, team. We're man. running.
0: We're running a draw on third and nine uh, to give the ball back to Tom Brady. Like, like there's 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 moments where you're getting calls. you are like, come on. I, I think defensively, it's a little easier to hear the call, pass the call along, alter mm-hmm. the call if it needs to live at the line. Um, yeah. I think that. That's where the relationship can also strain offensively as well. Just to go into kind of the the mindset. So, I guess long story short, to,
1: to sum it all up, we're very, very thankful for the entire defensive side of the ball and their staff. Hey, Hats off. Do you have anything else you're thankful for, Joe? Anything um, sports yeah. related? Anything? I got, related.
0: I got plenty. I'm thankful for. Um, not to go crazy deep here, but I'm I'm thankful that. Uh, through eight, nine, ten, whatever it is now months of this pandemic, um, we've been able to keep this podcast going. Mm-hmm. We've both been lucky enough to remain employed by our our traditional and our main employers. We um, have stayed healthy, and largely our families have stayed healthy. And I think that that's what this year has shown us is that it's maybe not as much. Um, you know, we're always striving for more, uh, whether that's emotionally, physically, monetarily. But taking a second to sit back and be thankful for what you have is something that I don't do well enough sometimes. And this year has thrust that upon me in spades. And I'm thankful that I've been thankful. I guess is is what I'm trying to say here. Um, this year has definitely brought some perspective, and I'm thankful for that.
1: Man, I was just going to say I'm thankful Tiger won the the Masters in 2019, and Tiger won the, won the Masters <laughs> no. 18 months ago, 19 months. Ago. But no, you hit it on the head. I think both of us have been very uh, very lucky through all this. That, uh, like you said, for the most part, we, we've our families and, and we've stayed mostly healthy, and uh, not not much to complain about. I, I know around us there there are a lot of things that seem like uh, we got it bad, and it might not come to an end. But there, there's a lot of things to look forward to, things to be thankful for, to look back on. And uh, I'm thankful for the listeners, Joe. Thankful for all the mailbag questions we get. We had some requests for this week. I just want to say we we, we had a shorter idea episode this week. And people, just just remember, this is episode 182. It's about 18 episodes away from 200, which means about early, late spring, early summer, we're going to need a whole lot of mailbags. So if your mailbag's not getting read now, we're we're keeping them. We're logging them. Okay, we'll get to them.
0: Let's just roll this ball out for the listeners right now. We're putting it it's up. Going, we got eighteen episodes left. To be, Start giving us it, mailbag episodes. It's what's the longest? What's the longest audio file you can upload onto Apple iTunes? I don't. I'll have to call them. We might have to like take a day off and do like a twelve-hour podcast love and do two hundred mailbag questions for the two hundredth episode. Is I that
1: love. is that crazy? We should. We will bring on. We'll bring on. <laughs> Random guests to help answer <laughs> cool. like a, like a handful of mailbags. That's so it. if you've been a premier listener, you can you can hop on for two, and then we'll keep doing that. We'll
0: get you. Or how about this? Some of you, we'll make we'll make the edit a real pain in the ass for Matt that week. Send yeah, let's audio, just do that. Audio files of you asking the question. We want the listeners to get their voices on the Moose and Runes podcast. Mm. We'll splice those in. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's gonna be good stuff. We'll see about that. We're, we're step on. Like you said, eighteen weeks. We got eighteen weeks to figure it out. Um, it's an idea. It's not a good one, but that's an idea. Uh, we got a couple ideas at the wagering window as well. Not that those always go well. Matt and, <laughs> We're both struggling. Lost, Matt and I both lost our bets this week. Uh, we are five and six, both of us. On I would like week.
1: to say for the record, obviously I'm slumping, but I made the right pick. That was the right bet.
0: Cincinnati with a total bad beat, kid laying down, and then not getting it in the end zone. I, I rolled with the pack, and that's what you get for, for betting that's on your you rival. So. Um, um, you got a
1: good one, though. I like yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go ahead I with that? you know.
0: I, did our show yesterday of our of the first college football playoff rankings, and I was stunned as were a number of our analysts, and it's not a huge thing right now until you make it a huge thing. I was stunned that Ohio State was number four. I thought it was going to mirror the age top three? 25. Uh, Clemson is three. Okay. Notre Dame is two. Alabama is one. Ohio State's four. I could make an argument that Ohio State... Is the second most talented team by the eye test, and that's the criteria this year. There is no criteria. These teams are playing different numbers of games. They're playing only conference schedules. You're only getting them in a vacuum with no fans. It's going to be complete eye test. It's going to be completely subjective, and I think that poses some problems for the committee. But in the eye test of the teams that I've watched play football this year, yeah, I get it. They just got a clo- they just played a close one with Indiana. That's a pretty good. Indiana team. Mm-hmm. Ohio State is the second best team in the country behind Alabama this season. In my eyes, we'll see, and these games will be played, and it'll all be fleshed out, and I'm excited to watch these games happen. But I say this because Ohio State and Ryan Day have bulletin board material this week. They're 28-point favorites against Illinois. That number's not big enough for me in the first place, bulletin board material aside. Ryan Day's going into his room and talking to his guys and telling them, Hey, you're fourth best. Your fringe playoff right now. The quality of our wins is just as important as those wins. Go beat everyone by 70. I like Ohio State covering twenty-eight, no problem, with a chip on their shoulder against Uab. I.
1: I love that pick. I will disagree with you on the whole second best team in the country thing, not just because I'm a Notre Dame fan, but I think Notre Dame has done more to prove it if that makes sense so far. that's it. from a talent standpoint, you can make the argument that they have the second most talent. Um, that's I, more where I Them not say. being number three over... I know they've played a limited amount of games. I think Clemson's very good. They might very well be the most talented team in the country. They really have, really have not beat anybody. Yeah. They should not be number... I mean, it, BC, again, it doesn't there, really BC matter. is their win right now. It really doesn't matter because at the end, I mean, everything's going to play itself out. and We always overreact to the first playoff. But, but no matter what he's... I, I think... Ohio State's, Brian Day is probably secretly happy he's number four because that gives him, like you said, an extra reason to be motivated to say, let's blow them out, let's do it. And then we're disrespected. Ohio State can play the disrespect card now.
0: They absolutely can. And another reason that they might be happy to be number four, I'm sure this doesn't factor at all, and it's more correlation than causation. Every single year in the six years of the college football playoff, the team that's ranked number three in the first rankings has failed to make the playoff. Maybe a bad omen for Clemson. Maybe a good omen here for Ohio State.
1: I think I saw something like the last three national championships champions have been the number two seed too. So it's just you know keep that keep that on your
0: uh, keep that in your tickler
1: file. There, so Joe.
0: much so much can happen. Not not to not to go down a college football rabbit hole here, but. You could play a million hypotheticals. What if Northwestern, now pretty much a shoe-in with Wisconsin having another postponement, what if Northwestern goes into the Big Ten championship game and they pull the craziest upset of all time over Ohio State? I don't think it's going to happen. They're in. Frankly, (laughs) frankly, I'll eat my shoe if it happens, and I'll be happy to do it. They're in. What if Notre Dame loses to Clemson? They got North Carolina that's, that's they, a, Assuming they win, what if they lose mm-hmm. to Clemson in the ACC championship in overtime or it's a one-possession game? Both of those teams got to be in, right? Mm-hmm. Or do they say an undefeated 7-0, and 6-0, 8-0, whatever it will be, Oregon team with no real marquee wins is an undefeated Pac-12 champion. They're in and Notre Dame's out because they value the ACC championship more than they do a regular season win with DJ Luyonga and not Trevor Lawrence. There yeah. are so many different things that can happen, all assuming that these teams continue winning, all assuming that Auburn doesn't trip up this weekend of the Iron Bowl or mm-hmm. the SEC championship game. There's still a lot of things Yeah, that can Ford, Florida
1: and Alabama in the SEC championship game. That's not a shoe in for Alabama.
0: No, no, not by any means. So uh, it's going to be – someone's going to always feel left out, and there's, that's not going to be any different this year.
1: I've been flopping around on my pick. and I gave you one. I'm going to go with a different one. I was originally thinking over 55 in Oklahoma, West Virginia. West Virginia, though, tends to sometimes their, their offense can stall. Their offense can not get going. They sometimes mm-hmm. tend to not be the West Virginia offense we're all familiar with. Um, I was thinking maybe over in Notre Dame, North Carolina. But I'm going to go with you. You brought them up. I'm going to bring up your boys, your uh, journalism school alma mater. I'm taking Northwestern lane thirteen out Michigan State. I think Michigan Let's State go. stinks. I don't care that they're on <laughs> I don't care that they're at home. I don't care that Northwestern's on the road. Northwestern's beating up on bad teams. They're riding high. They are clearly using the disrespect from the, the fighting Reese Davis' line. They, they got something to play for. That's like and, they, they have a rallying cry here. I love what they're doing. I love what Fitz is doing. I love the way they're playing. I don't think Michigan State's going to score much against that defense. I think Northwestern wins that game something along the lines of like 31-7, to 31-10. I don't think Michigan State's any good. Give me Northwestern. Give me the Cats. Go Cats, Joe.
0: I like that pick, and I like where your head's at. Also, another thing here, if anyone, and you make a great point about the uh, the uh, motivation that they found in Reese Davis and the comments that Mm -hmm. were made on on, uh, on the college football show over on ESPN. Um, this week they have another they have another thing that they could latch onto. You got to feel a little disrespected at five and zero with a win over the team that was in the top four of every poll, yeah. AP poll uh, in Wisconsin. You got to feel pretty disrespected at number an eight.
1: undefeated Big Ten team at number eight in the country. That's a fine. rallying Cincinnati's
0: Krivers. fine. Cincinnati is eight and zero. Fine. I think Northwestern deserves a nod over Cincinnati. We're talking about power five teams Mm -hmm. here, and you're telling me Northwestern isn't more likely to get in over a non-power five Cincinnati? I can't see it. I mean, you got Texas A&M at five and one, Florida at six and one. I think Northwestern should be having a conversation with those two teams before they should be having a conversation with Cincinnati. I'm with you. And Fitz, you know Fitz is in that room wrapping the boys up, saying, I don't think you're any good. That's what, he's, that's what he's giving him right now. Yeah, I think word for word that speech. That's, that's the one right there. That's the speech. You, had it, you heard it here first. Right up, the up in along the lakefront. Matt, um, you got anything else for the people before we say right, goodbye? Let's, let's go.
1: Let's, let's hang up. Let's have a great Thanksgiving. Let's go eat turkey. Go have some turkey. pie. Take a pie. Nap.
0: Well, oh, before we go, how can we say goodbye? What's uh, you gave me a little pie rundown, but anything yeah. else? Any exciting menu updates here? Yeah,
1: uh, t- my my brother is a great cook, and I know a lot of the, in years past, he's had the smoker and done a smoked turkey. I don't know what he's doing for the turkey, but I'm I'm excited for it. I trust the kid with with a bird, so I'm excited to see what he does with a turkey. Not that my mother's not great, but she would admittedly say turkey is not her strong suit. That's kind of the <sighs> one bird. thing she smoke tends smoke. to kind of flub smoke every now is nice. and then. Big fan of a of a good turkey and. Just I'm, – I'm good with all the sides. Give me anything. I'll grab a little bit of everything. But the, I'm, um, I'm looking forward to the main event.
0: Uh, I'm cooking for Shelby and I tomorrow. We're doing a multi-course Thanksgiving. Okay. We're doing a nice – we're going to do a nice late big breakfast. Bacon, eggs, pancakes, uh, grits for myself. Uh, the, the whole shebang. Avocado toast. Nice big breakfast. Uh, take a little break. Nosh during the day. We got some lovely cheese, crackers, <laughs> olives, uh, nice, some nice uh, got a pound of uh, just thinly cut prosciutto on oh, the yeah. side. Just just some food to paw some the Football games, a little bit of no. We uh, we went with a, a sartori. It's, I don't know a, what it's that a is. Cheese. It's a nice cheese that they do with like an herb. It's fantastic. Okay. Um. So we we have the grazing food, but then I'm in charge. I, I mean, not it. It's going to be a, a group effort, but I'm making our bird, and I'm not doing a big turkey. Or excuse, yeah, I'm not doing a big massive turkey. It's just Shelby and I. I got us a nice chicken and I'm gonna do a beer can chicken. So I'm doing whole oh. chicken. okay a whole chicken tomorrow. I'm gonna season that of the Thanksgiving savory, some thyme, some sage, uh a little bit of rosemary. So we're going that kind of flavor palette sides wise. We're doing a sweet potato. Love a, a sweet nice, potato. Nice little they're not gonna be it's not gonna be like uh candied sweet potatoes. i don't need a,
1: i don't need marshmallow no, and like it, brown it, sugar
0: just give me the sweet potato. it's already sweet it's, got, a, it's got it it's got enough dessert. so what i'm gonna do here is i'm gonna do the sweet potatoes i'm gonna right when they're just about done open them up have them little butter little sprinkle salt and then a little cinnamon oh, need- just a little just a just a whisper just a of cinnamon just a dash. back in the broiler to put a little color on that cinnamon boom that's done and a green bean casserole, so we're we're hitting we're hitting some key Thanksgiving notes, but just amending a couple little things here. And I'm also a, just a lot, look- lot of booze. I just went to well, yeah, the grocery store and bought enough wine to drown us both.
1: I'm looking forward to uh, also the Friday leftover, Friday leftovers, Friday nice. leftovers.
0: Yeah. That's, what, my, that's, what you, that's what you miss out on when you're not coming from like a larger gathering. It's like the over. Eh, we're going to have a lot of food. We're probably going to have a lot of food. You're
1: going to have some leftovers. We're right? going to have some I, leftovers. I think, <laughs> I think you got like four sides. you got a whole chicken. I think you'll have <laughs> <like laughs> enough for a couple sandwiches. I'm, I'm excited. Gotta,
0: I'm, I'm doing beer can chicken for the first time. So I'm, like excited to, I'm excited. Put it, it on the beer we'll, can. We'll,
1: we'll tell you how that goes on the next yeah. episode of this podcast. I'm excited to see how that turns out because I've some never done some aromatics.
0: Yeah. Some aromatics go in, in going in the beer can. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna do some rosemary, some crushed up garlic, nice in the beer can. Just gonna kind of keep that inside moist. We're gonna cook it inside out, so that's gonna be, nice. Gonna be pro, nice.
1: Pro tip is is on Friday morning. Go get yourself some a couple of fresh bagels. Use yeah. those for the leftover sandwich. You can leftover press it. You can kind of toast it, whatever you want. Heat <sighs> it up a little bit. Get some fresh bagels for the leftovers. That you is
0: free advantage. game yeah. for you on the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 182, the Thanksgiving special. We hope you enjoy it with you and yours. Should be but charging for now, people for this. <laughs> for Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. It all comes free here on Moose and Runes. We'll see you next time.